Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is going to be our all-star break edition of the podcast where we go back and uh, look at where we are at the basically around the 50 game mark for the Pacific Division um, a little bit less for the rest of the league and I think that'll be caught up once we get all the bye weeks taken care of um, Chris good day to you sir how are you today I'm doing good and I want to start off with a big thanks to Dan Arigin who filled in for me on Wednesday work has been I won't bore anyone with Dan did a great yeah, job. Hit... Go ahead. I tell you, I'm just saying, Dan did a great job. Uh, for those of you who missed it on Wednesday, uh, follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Harrigan, H-E-R-R-E-J-O-N. He's the writes for the Lightning Insider, and if you're a Tampa Tampa Bay guy, he's got great content for you over there. So make sure everybody follows Dan. He did a great job for us, and we appreciate it. Yeah. So we, so we hit the break, and you know Vegas. Is occupying our second wild card spot. They're one, one and one under beat four. Um, there are 57 points with 52 games played. I guess if you look, if you're a glass half full guy, uh, Vegas uh, is actually only one point out of first place. Now, granted, Vancouver has three games in hand, and Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, Edmonton also has three games in hand at 57, and Calgary has two games in hand. And then you got Arizona also at 57. They have one game in hand on base. Uh, if you're a glass, glass half-empty uh, glass, half guy, then you're like, well, wait a minute, we're the second wild card. Winnipeg's only three points behind us with a game in hand. And while Chicago Minnesota don't scare me, uh, and even though they're six points behind us, believe it or not, Nashville has five games in hand on us. Uh, so that's a little scary. So um, that's where the, the Knights find themselves right now, uh, heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, and I prefer to be the, the glass-half-full guy. Um, like you said, the, the Pacific Division is a logjam right now. You're one... One point out of first. Um, there's there's no reason to panic. The uh, the league's not, uh, the division's not running away. I don't I don't think this team's going to. I mean, let's let's be honest. I, is this team going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Is currently constituted? Probably not. I don't think their defense has been playing well enough in front of Flurry to make that kind of a statement. Is this a very good team? Yes. Is this a team that can 
certainly go on and win the Pacific Division and maybe win the first round, get out of their division and into the second round. Um, sure, I think that's that's a realistic expectation of where this team is with the um, the current constitution of the defensive core. Um, we said at the start of the season that um, Holden, Merrill, and Haig or any of the rookies they could have chosen to uh, take that rookie spot that was available, whether it Bischoff or or White Cloud or, or any of the guys down there. Um, Haig is the one who won the job, and he's certainly been playing better as of late, but still you have a rookie and a couple six, seven, six slash seven defensemen in Holden and Merrill, and I think Flurry's been the been benefactor or the recipient of some tough chances against so far um, this season. If they make the change that we've talked about and bring in a Sammy Botten in or a couple other defensemen that can lend a hand in the defensive core, then I have to reassess where I'm at. But realistically, if you look at the, the Central Division, Chris, you have um, – St. Louis, obviously, the class of the West, six points clear on Colorado, who has shown themselves able to whack the Vegas Golden Knights the couple times they've played so far this year. Old friend Pierre-Edouard Belmar scoring early and often in those games. Um, I, I, think, I think either one of those teams, if they got to the Western Conference Final, would... would handle the Vegas Golden Knights the way they're currently constituted right now. Um, I guess there's still a lot that remains to be seen with how Coach DeBoer is going to deploy his troops, if you will. Um, he has made a change, and I don't know if you noticed, Chris, I talked with Dan a little bit about it, too. It's You know, the San Jose's pen penalty kill has been very good for a long time, and that's one thing that we've already seen the effects of Coach DeBoer in the Boston game uh, changing what Vegas does on their penalty kill, it'll be sort of, I mean, it looks a lot like San Jose's penalty kill where they stand up one guy kind of in front of the blue line to pressure which side of the puck or which side of the ice the puck is trying to, to gain zone entry on. And it's an aggressive pressure the puck style as opposed to more of a passive box inside the, the dots, so, so to speak. <clears throat> and they had been awful on the penalty kill. And this is coming from um, the Golden Knights broadcast team, um, some of the stats. They, they're dead last in the league over the last three weeks on the penalty kill. They have went from, I think they were nine, down to like 22 ranked on the penalty kill. And they had, had allowed a power play goal against in – the last seven games. So going, holding, holding Boston either 0 for 4 or 1 for 5, I forget which one it was, but holding them off of the score sheet for the most part in that Boston game kept them in it until Boston was able to come back with two third period goals and, and win a close game there in Boston. Um, so we've already seen a little bit of the Coach DeBoer effect. And if they can clean up that penalty kill, that's a plus, that's a bonus. Um, I think everybody in, in Golden Iceland will certainly agree with that. Um, uh, I think you brought up a good indirect point, and that is 
you know, Vegas can finish anywhere in the top three of the division. Their road to the Western Conference Finals is through the division. And even, you know, if you're the biggest skeptic of the team, uh, you're being realistic right now. Uh, everyone currently constituted the way everyone is playing. Uh, Vegas matching up in a playoff series against Arizona, Calgary, Edmonton, or Vancouver, you know, I would say is a pretty, you know, maybe you like one team a little bit more than the other, but let's call it close to a 50-50 series. So, sure. uh, you know, finishing one, two, and three, being in the Pacific, uh, you could easily see uh, this team getting to the conference final. How about these teams? I'm not trying to poo these teams. These teams are they're good uh, at this point, not great. All have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, it, it, you know. Clearly, I would say uh, the strength right now in the West, if one would, would, would be St. Louis and Colorado, as you mentioned. So uh, that, to me, is the game is where you is the end game. I ideally love to get at least a second to get home ice in round one, but you know, if four for today, uh, if I was four for for Vegas. Finishing third in division, I would sign for that. Yeah, no, no question about it. The team I would worry about most, and it's just a matchup thing, is Edmonton. Edmonton seems to have uh, Vegas Golden Knights number. That when obviously here, here's a shocker, Chris. When they can hold Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaitel off the score sheet, they fare pretty well. But you know, at, when, when they can't, uh, Edmonton's been pretty good against the Vegas Golden Knights. So if in a seven game series, I would lean more towards Marc Andre Fleury in that in that matchup. And right, but, sure. but the but the rest of it, I, I Edmonton would be the team that I out of the Pacific at least that I think the the Golden Knights would match up the worst against. Um Arizona and Vancouver both would be making their first trips back to the playoffs in quite a while. Obviously, Arizona, since 2012, they reached the Western Conference Final and obviously a, a completely different team. And then Vancouver, um, a very young squad that that doesn't have that playoff experience that Vegas does on going on a deep run. And I, I would favor the Golden Knights in that matchup. Calgary's recently been in the playoffs. They're a dangerous team. Um, but out of out of the Pacific Division, I think Edmonton would be the the team that I would be worried about. But I mean, let's face it; they're on pace to win their second Pacific Pacific Division championship in in the three years of their existence. That's if if you know if that were to come to pass, I, I would like their chances to at least move into the second round. And that's where I think this team is. I don't. It, like I said, if they can make an upgrade in their defensive core, and I mean, we don't know the William Carlson story. Very odd the the way he played the last game, and then uh, Coach DeBoer signs up, and and we get the announcement that William Carlson's week to week on the injury front. <clears throat> so and we don't know when or or where Carlson is, and you know when he's due back. Cody Glass working on the bone bruise in the knee. It's supposed to be close. So it'll be interesting to see once Coach DeBoer has um, a healthy contingent of forwards, how he chooses to line up 
um, all the centers on the roster and who the wingers are and if they're going to bring up uh, Zekoff, Perry, or somebody else from the AHL and, and how that lineup is still shaking out. We don't know what that's going to going to be. Um, it, 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 yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, this is a critical time, you know, for for Vegas from the standpoint of, obviously, the, the recent coaching change. Um, you know, they haven't been playing great over the last, uh, you know, 10 to 12 games. Uh, they come out of the break uh, uh, going on the second half of that, uh, however you want to say it, if it's two full-game road trips. And, you know, this one, the last one, uh, uh, you know, this one's much tougher. Uh, they're they're yeah. going to Carolina, uh, Nashville, and I just mentioned before about Nashville, about being not that far behind them with, with five games in hand. And then Tampa, who's red hot, and Florida, who's playing well. So that's, uh, you know, to me, that this is a very critical time. Um, you know, and again, when I say that, I, I'm not saying the team needs to go four and zero on the trip. Kind of, they can go hold, hold water, go two and two, hold steady, come home. But uh, you know, those are tough games, and uh, obviously, you don't want to go. It's very easy uh, to lose these games, so you don't want to have a uh, things go spiraling, if you will, in a bad way, and, and kind of limp home the new coach and all those questions and you know, slip a little further back uh, uh, from the division and, and have these other teams nipping at their heels uh, for the wild card. So this is a this is a, a very, very important time uh, in the regular season in terms of uh, riding the ship for, that, for themselves. Well, if they come back, uh, they, did, they just did the one, two, and one thing. If they come back right. one, one, two, and one again for a two, four, and two, eight games trip, um, four possible points out of 16 or what is that six possible six. points out of 16 not awful not good at all that's not right. what uh, they're looking for as, not, especially you know, especially with the easiest portion of that trip behind them and and looking at a 1 2 and 1 record on the first four games um you have to make some kind of a push. We assume Coach DeBoer is going to be putting in his his schemes and structures that he wants to use going forward in this bye week that's coming up after this All-Star weekend for the Golden Knights. We won't see them again until Saturday night. I look for them to at least have some sort of change on their power play. San Jose's power play has also been very good, and at times the Vegas Golden Knights power play has been inconsistent. So if he can make improvements to the special teams and get some consistency out of that defensive core um, before, you know, get get some in place where this road trip they're going to be competitive on, <clears throat> that's uh, going to be hopefully a launching pad into the second half of the season. If If it doesn't work, then I think, how can I put this? I think Mitch Foley would have to look seriously at the front office and have some real serious conversations after the season. Yeah. Uh, and is that fair? They, yeah. No, I think it is. But, uh, you know, obviously by them making this change, I think he's committed to them at the same token. Um, but uh, I think uh, they need, like you've mentioned, and we'll get into it at the, the end of the show, and I'll, I'll go quickly 
through the, the sellers as of today, and it's a, it's a, it's a thin list for defensemen, but I think they need to find a defenseman, uh, a veteran defenseman to kind of help this, uh, this team. So things were very, very tight. Um, uh, like we mentioned, um, you know, you got Winnipeg three points behind them with game in hand for the wild card. The Blackhawks, same thing. Minnesota is uh, they're five points back, but with two games in hand. And then I mentioned Nashville, six points back, but five games in hand. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a you know I think last year around Thanksgiving-ish, we talked about that critical time where the Knights had that five-game stretch of something crazy, like seven days. I want to say they went four and one with it, and they kind of righted the ship from there. This is, uh, this is the, in my opinion, their critical time right now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And then I, okay, so we, we talked about second round would be a, a good season so far for this team as constituted, that they're probably not a Stanley Cup championship contender right now, and we listed the two teams in the West. But then when you look at the East... You know, when you look at the East, you know, go ahead. You know what, though? I, I The thing is, I, can, I mean, if they can get in that top three, and I can see, you know, again, not saying that they're the favorite, but I'm not saying they're the underdog. I mean, it's not inconceivable. I could see them winning a couple of close series, and all of a sudden you're in the conference finals, and then, yeah, you're going to probably be, be playing either St. Louis, Colorado, or Dallas, but they, those, whoever – is, is left standing because they went through two wars to get there. So, you know, the the positioning, for lack of a better term, or their path, uh, you know, who knows? And then as time goes on, you get, you know, uh, confidence or whatever. So I think because the path potentially that they could have, um, you know, this still could be if, if, if at least a deep playoff run, you know, uh, Again, having you know, again having said that, I, I mean, I, I, they could easily lose to any of those teams. Yeah, uh, and then you know, that's how, that's how the league is. But I'm just saying, I I, I, I don't see why they can't. You know, like I said, even if I'm the biggest uh, critic of them, I, I think those are all kind of fifty-fifty series. And then, so, you, well, uh, well, when you look to the the to who might they match up with in the East, and you see Boston and Tampa. And Washington, right. and maybe it's a, that's what I mean by a championship. They could very easily squeak through the Western Conference Final in a tight series and be looking at Washington again, or or Boston, or even Tampa. Pittsburgh has been on fire a little bit lately, um, a lot, yeah. a lot of it lately. So maybe, maybe you know, and, and hey, there's nothing wrong with being a, a team that plays. You know, wins a first round playoff series, possibly wins a second round series, or loses a tough series in the second round. You go into the off season, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. You right. should you should look at the roster and maybe upgrade. You know, a tweak here, you know, bring in a bring in somebody there, and you know, year three of the franchise to to for the fan base. And I've seen a lot of this on Twitter to think that um, where they are right now is some horribly. Uh, horrible disaster and the sky is falling um look get some perspective man not you but just in general you know what i mean it's 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 nothing wrong ask um 
you know, ask Arizona fans how it feels not to go to the playoffs as an established franchise for seven years. Ask the New York Islanders, ask Florida Panthers fans what it feels like not to go to the playoffs for 20 years. Um, right. This team is built, this team's built to win, but you st- we still need to get perspective on, and, and I, you know, I th- we talked about the coaching change being a panic move. I, I didn't see any reason to be panicked about anything. If you get long-term big picture here, what, what's the, what's the phrase they're playing 3d chess? Um, this, this franchise has been wildly successful. And if they go to the second round this year, win this, win the Pacific division, there's two Pacific division championships in three years and get bounced in the second round. That's a wildly successful first three years. There's nothing to, to be upset oh, about. Sure. I, I mean, we got to have some perspective out here. I think I think part of it they're they're what's the expression they're victims of their own early success. I agree. You know, they, so so much good has come so quickly, and it, and it uh, seemed easy. Yeah, uh, you know uh, I think and this is this is fodder for another day, but in terms of down the line, in terms of you know how can we make the team better in the off season? I'm just throwing the thought out there. You know they they've signed a lot of guys. To big cap numbers and to quite a bit of an extension, so they're not going to have the most fluid roster. They don't have the most fluid roster when it comes to changes. So, just you know, something to you know keep in mind. But again, that's talk for another day. Let let's see them. You know, let's see them get come out of the All Star break, how they play, and what they do between now and the trade deadline in terms of. Uh, Improving, and then I guess just to wrap up the the West, because indirectly we mentioned all the other teams. You know, to me it looks like, you know, I guess Nashville. I could see them going on a run and challenging maybe Dallas for that third spot, third uh, automatic spot in the division. But uh, to me, the divisions between St. Louis and Colorado, with St. Louis having a bit of it, obviously a six point lead, and then Dallas ten points behind St. Louis. I see. It looks to me the way those teams are currently constituted, and I'm sure they're going to all three are going to try to do an edge between now and the deadline. Uh, they're going to finish, uh, you know, one, two, th- one, two, and three in the central. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that central, div- like you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, that the that central division playoff round is. They, whoever gets to the conference final out of that central is is going to have a uh, what I would think is a tougher path to the conference final than anybody coming out of that Pacific Division bracket. Um, and so in in that case, that's also going to be a kind of a murderer's row, if you will, um, of teams looking to advance there too. And then in terms of the teams on the outside currently looking in, sneaking up into the wild card spot, the two teams I have my eyes on is Winnipeg and Nashville in terms of I don't believe in Chicago. Uh, I, I think they perform better than expected, but I don't believe in Chicago. And I don't believe in Minnesota. Uh, but I think Nashville, with the games in hand, maybe they're starting to right the ship a little bit. And Winnipeg, uh, I think those are the two teams to watch in terms of you know, on the currently on the outside, who can get into one of the playoff spots and knock somebody else out. And you know what would be kind of weird, and it really hasn't been talked about much lately, is 
the Dustin Bufflin situation yeah. in, in Winnipeg, if that somehow gets resolved and he either becomes available or returns to the team, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, that, that could be a good catalyst to get a player like big buff back um, for Winnipeg. And I agree with you. Sh- good, good for Chicago. They, they seem to be on the right path heading back um, to, to respectability. And I'm, I, I'm down on Minnesota. That's very, I mean, it's an old roster. They're competitive. There's not a lot of skill, really. I mean, high-end skill uh, with that group. They have to do it with grit and competitiveness. And that takes you so far. But uh, I I don't think Minnesota has it either. I agree with you on the Nashville-Winnipeg forecast there for the wild card. And think about this in terms of Winnipeg. They, they... Since you know they they lose, they have lost since last season three quarters of their top four D. I mean they they yeah. trade Truba due to his situation, and they want to lose him after this year for nothing because he didn't want to resign. They lose, so they trade Truba to the Rangers. Gandela, they, right? They lose Tyler Miles to free agency, and then the whole Buffalo situation. So you know, in years past, you would say, well, you know, Winnipeg sixty four points, but consider you know, take any team where they get that kind of uh, hole blown into their defensive corpse uh, in their top half of their defense, I, you know, that's going to have a huge impact. So, uh, you know, kudos to them in terms of uh, kind of hanging in there. Now they, they need to do something about it. Getting Bufflin back would go a long way. Um, I mean, I'll be curious to see if they'll be, if they'll be willing to buy it all, uh, given where they're at as well. Yeah, that's uh, I, I've been I've been just thinking in the back of my head about Buff for a while, and and it, I'm just you don't hear much about it right now. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. It, and then we go we go to the East. Let's start with the Atlantic because it's a little less complicated. And that is, you know, I think it's clear that Boston and Tampa are going to finish one two in the Atlantic. Not that uh, clear. Boston. Coach Quinville has the Panthers one point behind Tampa. Yeah, I know, but Tampa is trading, but the arrow is pointing very much up north. And um, uh, Tampa does have three games in hand on Boston. They are eight points behind them, but they do have three games in hand on Boston. Um, I I feel that way. I feel that Boston and Tampa. So then to me it's going to come down to that last spot in the last automatic spot in the Atlantic, in my opinion, is going to come down to Florida and Toronto. And Florida currently has a four-point lead, games even at 49. Toronto has all sorts of injuries on their defense, which is saying, which is not good considering the even fully healthy, you know, they're, they're, they have issues on their defense. So they're currently, Muzzin, I think, is on the road to getting back. They're going to be out without Morgan Riley, I think, in, for the month of through the month of February at least. Right. Um, it's a tricky time for Toronto. They're up against the cap, so making a trade at almost uh, dollar for dollars kind of situation. Florida, they can score, but can they defend well enough? Uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting race, and um, uh, you know, to me, that's what it's going to it's going to come down to that those two teams fighting for that for that last spot in the Atlantic. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I don't I don't. Because after that, you have uh, in the division you have Buffalo, Montreal at fifty one. That's so not coming. That there and there, <laughs> both of those teams are kind of fading. Uh, yeah. So I I don't see either one putting a run together. I, I like I said, I really think it's going to be between Florida and Toronto. No, I agree with that. I think. I, we talked in the past about Coach Quinville's effect and, and what what he's going to have to do to, to turn the Florida Panthers around, and it wasn't going to happen in the first month or two of the season. The We've talked before, and I said it on Wednesday talking with Dan. Um, there, I'll, there was Since they fired Coach Gallant, this team, something was missing. I don't know what it was, but there was an it factor with Florida where I always thought they should be playing better than, than the results they were getting. Um, and it was going to take Coach Q a while to change that culture of whatever needed to be changed. And now, now that he's been doing that, uh, Florida's trending up too. And there's a lot of skill in that forward core. It, and um, obviously, having Bobrovsky in net is a is a big upgrade. And don't don't sleep on Florida um, coming coming up Tampa's backside there. Uh, I, I like what. I'm seeing right now out of Florida. One side note about Toronto. Remember, they traded last late June their first round pick to Carolina to get rid of uh, Marlowe's cap hit. Right. Now, it is top three protected, but if they want to, you could say, well, you know, if they want to miss in the playoffs and reboot, you know, do a reboot, well, at least they get, you know, a strong pick out of it. Unless somehow they landed in the lottery. If they were, you know, that pick is heading to Carolina. So they don't even get the consolation prize if they miss the playoffs, most likely, uh, of that first-round pick. And we've had guests on, like Russ Cohen, talking about how good this year's draft is. So just throw that. So there would be like a double whammy, if you will. But that goes out the window if they somehow won the lottery, which would be unlikely because they'll probably, if they miss the playoffs, wind up with like the 13th. 14, 15 ping pong ball. Right. So there you're, talk, you're talking about a very low percentage of going from there into the top three. But uh, then we get to the Metro, and, and this is all I, this is a good stat that we all, all you need to know about the Metro, okay? In the West, the Western Conference, there are two teams with 60 or more points, uh, St. Louis and Colorado. In the Metro Division, there are six teams with 60 or more points. <laughs> and what, here's, the, yeah. here's even scarier. Here's another scary stat uh, about that. You might say, all right, well, they have a, you know, it's a deep division, and you know, team seven and eight are just like the, the, the level of what the Red Wings are playing. So every time these teams play uh, the team seven and eight, it's an automatic two points. Not the case at all. The Rangers... Who are, you know, who if they were in the Western Conference would be very much in the thick of things. They're at 50 points, so they're respectable. And the Devils, while not great, they're not awful at 41 points. So it's not, not like the, the last two teams of the division are gone awful. And right now, Philly, who at 60 points, who if they were in the Pacific Division would be in first place, is on the outside looking in. They're the team currently outside of the bubble. And just to give you a, a, one last point of how cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, 
the uh, the Metro is. The Isles, my Isles, are four points behind the second place Penguins with a game in hand. So you're like, all right, that's not bad. But the Penguins, who are on the outside, who are trying to get in, are just three points behind the Isles. Now, granted, the Islanders have a game in hand, but still, they're just three points behind them. I mean, it, it, it you know, it is really from uh, Team Two, which is currently Pittsburgh at 67, to Team Six, which is Philly at 60. I mean, anything can happen in any order. All we know for sure about the Metro is it's hard to see the Capitals not winning the division. Yeah, then that's that's pretty much all all that we know for sure. Bar, obviously, barring injuries or whatever, but uh, uh, Washington's been playing great. They have the best record overall, right? Points wise, seventy one points for Washington yeah, right 71. now. Yeah. Um, yep. Boy, if we if if we get a Washington Boston uh, Eastern Conference Final, how much fun is that going to be? Or Washington Tampa? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no. I, I, right now, I think those are the three. You know, they're the three big horses you have to consider in the East. Um, you know, um, um, uh, tell me wrong. Any of these other teams <clears throat> could definitely could win a series against against Boston, Tampa, or Washington. But they would be, you know, they would be the underdog. I mean, they would be, you know, a 25, 30% underdog, a one in four, one in three chance to win the series kind of team. That's just in my own head. That's not, you know, right, right. odds or anything. That's just in my own head. And they could give those, give those teams all they could handle. But clearly those are the three favorites, you know, in the East right now. And, um, It'll be curious to see what all those other teams, you know, try to do uh, between now and the deadline, you know, to improve. We know Pittsburgh's always aggressive. You know, Lou Lamoureux's aggressive, although last year uh, he, he didn't do anything after not being able to get Stone or Duchesne. We saw how aggressive Columbus was. Uh, will they do that again when they've, they've traded away a lot of draft picks already? Um you know, Carolina had a lot of success last year. So, you know, in terms of, well, they had, you know, they had a piece and then Philly, you know. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts there and a lot of good teams. Um, so uh, it's going to be a fascinating race. Well, since since we're right there next to them, um, what's your ceiling for your Islanders this year? What do you think? Uh, I think they need to be aggressive. I just wrote an article about this. Uh, post Monday morning, um, I think they need to add a forward, either a center, uh, a, like a Peugeot, or a scoring winger, like a Kyle Palmieri. They've just gone through a rough stretch from a scheduling standpoint, as well as, you know, all teams go through this. You go through stretches where things, everything goes right, right? And what I mean by that, you know, is you're doing a lot of good things, but when you make mistakes, you know, the other team, like, misses the net or hits the post or things kind of break your way kind of thing. And when things are not going well, you could do everything right and you're the one hitting the iron or some kind of crazy great save. Absolutely. And when you make a mistake, it winds up in the back of your net. They just went through a crazy stretch where uh, I think they played six games in eight days or something insane. Um, they got through it. They won the game against the Rangers to finish up uh, before the break. Um, you know, they've had a, they've had a, 
they're definitely a high-quality team, a dangerous a team that could give all these other teams all that they can handle. They've shown that in their games against them, but in a seven-game series against, you know, and I, I, again, I, I kind of look at it if they were to play any of those other teams, the kind of all coin flip series, but, you know, in terms of big picture trying to make a run, they're going to need to add a, a high-quality forward, such as a Kyle Palmieri or a Pajot kind of player, um, you know, before the deadline. Um, I think I think they, they're a forward short. Um, uh, That's fair. Yeah, in terms but, you know, um, so we'll see. We'll have to see, uh, and then... Uh, that's a good jumping off point when we get to the sellers and you know I've come up with and we've talked about it a little bit but just to give everyone a little quick uh, rundown uh, so I, these to me are the sellers the, who the sellers will be uh, come middle of February late February or even early February you know Buffalo uh, for Leak, Sherry and Vezzi uh, Vezzi all pending unrestricted free agents. Uh, you know, I like, I've always liked Thomas Sherry. He's a in-your-face bottom six guy. Um, you know, uh, Montreal, you know, uh, Nick Thompson, Marco Scandella, you know, again, uh, kind of role players at the bottom of your roster. Uh, the Rangers with Chris Kreider, that will be uh, very sought after. Uh, I could see a team like Boston, or St. Louis or Colorado, making a big pitch for him, um, maybe even Dallas. Uh, um, and he, the Rangers should fetch a first-round pick plus for him. Uh, I would think they would try, try to sign Jesper Fast, but if they can't, he would be in play as well as the pending UFA. Uh, I don't know we mentioned Peugeot, but they also have some other guys that could, that could help teams in Nemstikov. Ron Hainsey, the ageless Ron Hainsey, and Dylan DeMilo. Um, Jersey, we've talked about that in a lot. I also have Wayne Simmons, although he would be more of a bottom six guy. Um, Detroit, Mike Green, does he have anything left? I don't know. San Jose, if they don't get going, Brendan Dillon's a guy. They could move. Anaheim, while they're rebuilding, uh, they don't really have anything in the terms of UFAs. And then your Kings, uh, Toffoli, Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford, Derek Fulberg, and Alec Martinez is a guy who could be more. Oh, Kyle Palmieri, too, for the Devils. And Scott, who they don't have to trade. He's one year left at 4.6. But uh, if someone comes calling with a good offer, they should be looking at the, at the bars, not the trade. And then Alec Martinez, same kind of thing with the Kings. Uh, I know they don't have to trade him, but a lot can happen between now and next year, and it's clear where these two franchises going there. They're more, they're more about, you know, two, three years from now than this and then, than next season. So if, if there's a real if there's a really good offer on the table for those two players in terms of future assets, Palmieri and Alec Martinez, if I was a Devils or Kings fan, I would want my general manager to pull the trigger on them. Yeah, for sure. They're they're both gonna be in in stockpiling mode and, and cap management as they try and move on from some of these, um, I'm speaking Kings directly, some of these uh, players that went through the wars and, and they're going to be trying to move on from the Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford type player to 
still trying to build more speed and skill into that roster for today's National Hockey League. Um, Amart, obviously, will, will always be uh, a, a King's legend for the, win the overtime game winners in the Western Conference Final and the overtime cup-clinching goal um, in that 2014 Stanley Cup run. But, uh, yeah, the writing's on the wall. These players are all going to be on the block. And I think Trevor Lewis would be a, a, a dark horse candidate if somebody just wants depth. Uh, he could play at the center position and play the third or fourth line center with that cup experience. Um, I, I he'd, could, be, you know, he'd be a good guy for the Isles if they, if they can't get a Peugeot. He, like, as a fullback. Uh, kind of guy at a, at a much lesser cost for sure. So probably talking probably talking about like a third round pick there, you know, uh, maybe third round pick in a, in a second tier prospect. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I yeah, can see that so. fit, especially with Trotz's system. I think Lewis would do a very good job in in with New York. But it's not an overwhelming. It's not an There's, you know, last year we had Shane and Stone and yeah, yeah. We were, so yeah, with with Columbus, trade Panarin and and uh, uh, you know those kind of things. It's not. It's not. It's uh, not that year compared to that. You right. Know, like I said, Kreider could really help somebody, and he's he's clearly. I mean, Cachot, even though he has really good offensive statistics. This year, uh, not that he's bad offensively, but I think he's really uh, a, a secondary offensive player. He, he's a sum, greater than some of the whole of his parts, if you will, and also at the center position. But you know, I look at Kreider, Peugeot, and Bonin as the you know primo pieces of this deadline. And then the question then comes up, you know, what does does Jersey move forward with Palmieri? And does the Kings move forward, Alex Martinez, too? So, but those to me are the, and then and then after that we're looking at really support players. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. It's definitely nowhere near last year's last year's class at the deadline. There's not. It's just a function of who's in it and who's out it, and who still has term left on their contract and and. Who's going to be wanting to dump exactly. expiring contracts? And <clears throat> excuse me, what the what the cost of those expiring contracts are going to be? Um, still, we'll be keeping our eye on it. Um, that should wrap it up for this week, Chris. You got anything else, buddy? No. The last point we want to make is we'll be curious to see is you know does that mean the teams that wind up landing Evadnin, a Peugeot, or Kreider are you going to have to pay more because uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams interested in them. None of those players have big cap numbers to deal with. So that be a cap issue. So, like, let's say all things being equal, the, we've talked about this in the past, that the market, the true, the real market value to rent Semi Vatnin should be, let's call it a second-round pick and then a second, another secondary asset, not as good. Let's say in, uh, in 2021, a third-round pick or uh, a B B plus level pro or B level prospect. Well, you know, after Vatnin, who's the next best defenseman? Because of that, I'm not saying you're going to have to give up a blue chip prospect or dare I say a first round pick for these guys. But you know, it's 
you're going to have to outbid these other teams. So that will be interesting to see that where the teams that wind up landing these players, will there have to be a bit of overpayment just truly based on supply and demand? Yeah, you know, teams go crazy at the trade deadline in general. And it's it does seem like a lot of times that when the market is thinner, the the insanity gets bigger <laughs> because everyone's going to be desperate to add that one piece that they think is going to take them um, either into the playoffs, you know, put them over the edge and make them a playoff team or the difference between being uh, a deep run in the playoffs and a first round exit. So as you know, the market gets thinner, the price tag usually goes up and, you know, we know these general managers can't help themselves. Um, there's been any number of trade deadline deals that are just ridiculous. So uh, that's also something that's pretty interesting. It's, well, uh, and that's more more of an argument for the Kings to trade Martinez, even though he still got one year on his contract after this, and for the Devils to trade Paul Mary for the same reason. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week, yep. Chris. You got a, uh, you said you got a new article coming out. That's uh, Ion yeah, Isles on, FS? Uh, yeah, on Monday. On Monday, I finally was able to get my second article in January out. I got one out right after New Year's, and things have been so hectic and busy. And thank, thank, uh, thank you. Thank goodness I have uh, great understanding editors. Uh, and uh, I'll have a new one out on Monday morning at, at 10 a.m. Eastern. All right, we'll be sure to pop that link up on the at Vegas hockey pod on Twitter. Um, everybody make sure you go to the hockey podcast network.com and check out their great lineup of hockey podcasts. They got one from every team in the national hockey league. So far I've listened to one show from each guest and they're all pretty out or one, one show from each team. And I, I haven't had a bad episode yet. So uh, make sure everyone goes over and checks checks out everything that the guys are doing at the hockey podcast network.com because there's a lot of good stuff there. That's going to wrap us up for this week. We're going to see what we can do Wednesday and then next Saturday we'll be back again. Same bad time, same bad channel. So for Chris on Mark, we're gone. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.